A kid in the candy store. I mean, that's the best way to put it, I guess, because not just this entire trip to Molyneux for WV1, the stories here at the home of Wolves. It's so thrilling to see all of this in person. And again, back to kid in the candy store, kid in the mega store. Love the gear. Love seeing all of the variety and all of the ways that it comes together. And the man who helps bring all of this together here at Wolves, Vinnie Clark, joining us here. And I've got to say, this opportunity to just see the football ground, to be around with all of the energy. We're going to bring in some other voices here as we go. But just the gear itself, it's so thrilling to see this new era and not cap brand new era though that's pretty nice too uh but the new era with castor it is really some special product that feels custom made and also has all of this potential for new kits and new opportunities i love the white third jersey it's it's incredible it's 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 fire but when you look at what this has been as we've entered this new realm with this uh, New Jersey opportunity here. What, what is it from the perspective of how fans not just get their hands on it, but what the thinking is behind bringing such great product? Uh, yeah, so thanks very much. Yeah, we've we've worked really hard on, um, on on improving the product range. It's been a key focus of ours for probably the last three years, really. And, and um, you know, for the first couple of years that I was here, we could only really work on the unbranded stuff um, because we were we were tied into a deal. But this new deal that we've we've been working on with Castor uh, has been revolutionary, really, in terms of us being able to really change the game in our product offering um, and you know be able to serve up to the fans product that um, we're really proud of. It's it's unique to Wolves. You know, no other clubs have have the colours and the, and the training and the match kit that we've got. Um, and the model around the deal, in terms of it being commercially better for us as well, is is you know is, is hugely beneficial for us as a club, and it's been it's been really great. And and you know we're we're soon to be heading into year two, and we're already starting conversations around year three. So um, it, it kind of all snowballs into one, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and and the guys at Castor have been have been great with us, and and you know we we've had some really positive feedback around around not only the jerseys but also the other the other product that we've had in and I think it's overall it's been a, a roaring success for us. Yeah, certainly. I remember thinking of uh, when Jerry Jones of uh, the Dallas Cowboys, who owns the team, bought the team back in 1989. Uh, he had an introductory press conference and he said something that was just like, was funny and it still sticks with me to this day. He's going to get down to the jocks and socks. And I think the socks, the, let's talk about the socks. That is equally awesome this season with this classic look and the Wolves logo right onto the sock. It, it is some impressive stuff that's just kind of taking things, twisting it a bit, but having a classic look as well. What are some of those considerations to make sure the full kit and there's an evolution going on here with just the entire product line? Yeah, I mean it's about the detail, you know. So those 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 minor things like having a wolf head on the sock and having wolves trim inside the neckline and and all of that little stuff that we spend a lot of time getting right actually and and going back and forth on, they're really what makes a product special. You know that attention to detail um, is what fans really notice, uh, and that is what, if I'm being completely honest, we don't get with other brands. You know, I think. 
the bigger brands that work in football are you know all about efficiency they're all about um, trying to make life as easy as they can for themselves because ultimately that's what drives their bottom line right so who ends up suffering off the back of that it's it's the fans uh, you know eventually because things shortcuts get taken details are missed because they're trying to make garments go across a number of different brands and teams um, and that's you know that was really kind of for us a big driver in, in why we wanted to move away from that. Uh, I think the best example I can give is 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 Adidas, who we've obviously been great partners with in the, in the past. They're a twenty five billion dollar business, um, and what they really want to do is sell Adidas monobrand products. So that's really where that's their that's their major game is to sell stuff that's just got Adidas on. They obviously work with Real Madrid and, and Manchester United and you know, Bayern Munich and, and big sports brands and, and, and federations. But that side of their business, that dual branded side of their business is only worth $1.4 billion to them. So that's 6% of their revenue. Uh, what's staggering is it's 50% of their products. So you imagine that 50% of your time, energy, effort, resource goes into 6% of your sales. That's going to give you a headache, uh, and therefore every year they look at how they can trim things back, make things more easier, have a goalkeeper jersey or a training line that goes across seven or eight clubs, and you know that over over time that really gets stripped back to a level that a lot of fans don't find palatable. Um, so that really for us was 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 the driver behind it, um, and you know the, the, having the ability at design stage to feed into that, get those details that you mentioned, but also get colours right. You know we we have our brand and marketing guys. They spend a lot of time putting brand guidelines and Pantone references together, and to not be able to achieve that is is usually frustrating. So t- so for us to be able to do that almost off the bat is is great for us, and and thankfully Castor of really got behind our, our commercial model and our deal that we have with them and, and have been you know great partners for us so far. You've got deep history in this realm and kind of help us understand that, and I know this pretty well from being in the US and seeing most of the leagues are affiliated with Fanatics, but this deep experience that you're bringing from your prior roles is exactly what and what brought you really to Wolves? Yeah, so, yeah, I, I did work for a company called Fanatics, who, and, and to be honest with you, uh, the blueprint of our Castor deal was, was actually taken from a, a deal that Fanatics and the NFL did with Nike, whereby most NFL Nike product that you buy in the market now is, is actually produced by Fanatics. Um, it has a Nike swoosh on, so people think it's Nike, uh, but it's produced and, and, and Fanatics own that supply chain. That's the same model that we have uh, with Castor, whereby we'll manufacture the product, gives us control, gives us agility, gives us you know better control over price. I think I was doing some work earlier, uh, our average sale price of a home jersey this year has been £28, which is significantly lower than any other Premier League team. And we're only able to do that um, and trade so aggressively and do fantastic promos. Just last week we had, um, you know, one jersey for 15, two for 25. Uh, we're doing things like that all the time, almost on a, on a weekly or fortnightly basis. And we're able to do that because we've got control of the manufacturing process. And we wouldn't be able to do that if we were buying in at higher cost prices from from bigger brands. So that's that's really the the fundamentals of, 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 of the deal. Um, and, and that's what sort of brought across from my Fanatics days with us was to try and find that efficiency and, 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 and sort of get that uh, products in at better, in better terms. And, you know, cause ultimately the, the, the people who really benefit then are the fans cause they, you know, on average they're paying a lot less for our jerseys than, than they used to be. 
That's all about like listening to the supporters as well, which is an important thing that I'm coming to realize here as I visit and talk with so many of the folks from around the club that at each level of the club, there's a very professional approach by some very smart and qualified people who are trying their absolute best to make sure this is a productive environment to come and enjoy the workplace and thus take that forward to making sure it's a enjoyable place for supporters to visit. And in some of this, I had an opportunity to speak with Dave Wood, the fan services manager, and he and his group are very focused on using some new technologies and really being very present in this effort. Take a listen. It's been such an honor to be here in and around Molyneux. WV1 continues with conversations with folks from around the club. And I've gotten this chance to speak with Dave Wood, fan services manager, a lifelong Wolves fan who now is in this very special role of helping supporters communicate with the club. You've brought in all kinds of interesting technology and new ways to make this seamless and fun. But for you personally on a very human and personal level, there's a passion and love for this club that makes this work so meaningful. Kind of help me understand exactly what that is. Um, it's, it's tough to explain, really. I've, I've been working here for approaching 12 years in various roles, previously support a liaison officer and then into fan services manager with a, a wider team. Um, I was a fan growing up, so... Uh, it, you know, it runs through the family as well. So being a wolf sporter, I became a wolf sporter. My dad was, his dad was. So it's in the family. So literally from three years old, all the early pictures of me are in wolf shirts, you know. Um, Steve Ball was my hero, as the same for many other people. Um, and, you know, growing up, I always wanted to be Steve Ball or the next number nine or coming through for Wolves. And, you know, I was never quite that good at football, sadly. But being in the position I am now and being able to make a positive uh, difference for the club um, it's probably the next best, best thing really so when supporters reach out to the club you understand exactly where it's coming from and where their hearts are as they're trying to find information of all kinds of varieties and some of these things range from what exactly um, so when when a sport gets in touch uh, and you know, not just myself, for the rest of the, my team are Wolves fans as well. We do, being Wolves fans, we do have that understanding of why a fan would be frustrated, and that helps us present it to the relevant people that we need to do. Uh, um, so, for example, fan services, we you know we're getting we get a lot of inquiries, and we've been building our knowledge base within the team to sort of be able to answer everything. So, we deal with inquiries on tickets, uh, retail, chasing orders, uh, through to match day, uh, charity requests, special occasion requests. It's a, a, a real wide range. You know, no two days are the same. There's so many different inquiries that we're getting. Um, but then, sort of, we wanted to be able to open up and, and be there for those supporters that needed that extra bit of assistance whilst still providing a good service for people that would get in touch with you more everyday inquiries as well. It's amazing how much passion there is around the way that folks want to communicate and be involved and be heard and it's a very unique 
something not just to Wolverhampton, but really the football culture in the UK that the supporters are ingratiated and brought into so much of the decision making process. There is an obvious opportunity to engage and inform and have really great outreach. Thus, what have you seen really works in this regard? Um, so it sort of falls into two categories for me. So firstly, you have um, engagement and, you know, we're in a great time as a club. It's a great time to be a Wolves fan, you know, the best time in my lifetime. We're doing great on the pitch. Uh, we're growing off the pitch. Um, and so we want to get as many people involved and be part of that as possible. You know, that's people coming from abroad. Um, that's people local coming to the first game. And whilst that's the case, we still got a duty to, you know, to, to make those people that were with us when, you know, during times where we weren't so good, still feel engaged and feel as, as important to the club now as they were then. Uh, so, you know, it's a fine balance. And that's what my department and myself personally are here to sort of try and do. Um, the second sort of string to that is consultation and this is where it's slightly different uh, and this is somewhere where we're sort of trying to work proactively and, and, and improve what we've done over previous years and look to involve more people as possible. So whilst in the past things like the Fans Parliament and, and, and um, Fan Forum meetings have been great, they tended to be sort of very reflective. So we'd have 100 people or 50 people chat with uh, management at the time. And then we'd do it again three to six months later and we'd be sort of asking the same questions. There was never really any follow-up. So we're looking to be more proactive through focus groups, uh, sort of which are very much sort of specific on certain areas of the club. So we can work with people that really, you know, they're really passionate about those areas. Um, and then we want to look to include uh, more consultation offerings for supporters that, you know, they're slightly a bit more general, whether that be something like goal music, we don't know, but um, uh, whether it's just small polls or just sort of to get that feedback, really. So we're looking to sort of create as many offerings for fans as possible to, you know, everybody's got a voice and we want them all to be able to use it wherever possible on, on as many subjects as possible. I love how much passion and care you have for this because you're a lifelong supporter and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, think about it, putting you on the spot here too, favorite bully moment that you saw in person. And I'll just let you think about it for half a second. For me to tell you my new favorite Ruben Neves moment in person was getting to see that magnificent goal against Watford the other night, just arriving in Wolverhampton. I'll never forget it, that sort of thing. What kind of bully moment do you have that's just burned into your brain? Um, it's, you know, there's so many on the pitch, but the moment I'll probably give, I'll give you wasn't on the pitch, and this is what sort of cemented me as a Wolves fan forever. So it was back after the the Sherpa Van Trophy win against Burnley. I remember my dad bringing me to the stadium, and um, I've still got the photos to this day meeting uh, Bully and, and Andy Much at the at the top of the I forgot where it was now. Wolverhampton looks so much different. I'm talking a long time ago as well. Um, but yeah, and that, that you know, from that moment on, you know, I met my hero at such a young age, and you know, going on then there was Italian ninety and things like that. So you know, to be to see your hero on that stage was just fantastic, and you know, that was it. There was never any case that there was going to be another team for me. It was Wolves became sort of an obsession, and like I said earlier, you know, I was always wanted to be that next number nine and and you know run out on the pitch in front of all the fans and I was never you know never good enough at football but hopefully now I'm in a position where I can make a positive difference for fans now um, so you know as, as whilst it's not banging in the goals as I'd like to do um, you know I'm it's it, I still hopefully make that positive difference as I say I love it 
And I encourage folks who have heard this to call up a man, Dave Wood, and the rest of the fan services team and really say, hey, this is something we do like and we do enjoy. And thank you so much for joining us here. No, and so much credit has to go to the fan services team as well. As I said, not just myself, they're all Wolves fans. And I feel like we've made a positive change since the, the team started in October. And so much of that is down to the effort and, and, uh, and passion and, and um, how much they've thrown themselves into, into making it a positive change, for, you know, not just for you guys, for their club as well. Certainly awesome to hear from Dave as a guy who's been here his entire life and has this lifeblood with the club and really is very respectful of what it is to be a supporter and wants to make sure that everything is really well done when it comes to doing communication directly with supporters. And and I, I love that that approach is there. He's somebody who has been here his entire life. You made a decision to come here. And what brought you here? No, I mean, just before we move on to the answer and that, Dave's a great guy, you know, he has, he's part of the fabric of the club, he stepped up into his new role, leading fan services brilliantly, and there are characters like Dave across the club who, you know, are local, who have been here for many years, who are the heartbeat and the fabric of, of, of the club. Um, I think a sign of our growth trajectory and where we've come over the last sort of four or five years under the stewardship of Folsom is that we are now attracting um, talent and people from a much broader area. Um, so, you, you know, not just myself, I, 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 I travel from Manchester to come here to work. And, you know, when I sort of first got the opportunity to come and, and, and speak about joining Wolves, um, I, I've mentioned before, it's, it's, it's not something I was sort of hugely up for, uh, but I came uh, and when I got here, you know, within 10 minutes, I was like, Thinking, how are we going to change this? I'm, I'm, you know, I was, I was in at that point, and and the Folsom guys very quickly made me realise this was a, you know, a great place to come and work, and you know, we've got people from as far south as London, from, you know, Manchester, Liverpool. We're now attracting people from a much broader area, and that speaks to the, you know, to the success that that the club has had on and off the field over the last few years and, and also where we want to be moving forwards as well and I think that sort of bigger talent pool geographically is is a sign of, of, of the club's sort of um, growth. Do you remember what it was specifically when you started feeling the juices that no this is the opportunity to really make this impact? Yeah I think I, when I was asked how I would sort of change things from a retail perspective um, with Jeff and, and at the time Laurie um, and a few other guys who, who, who were over from China and, and from the UK, um, it wasn't a, a really formal sort of interview. It was a, it was just we, we got talking and, oh, yeah, well, we could try this and we could do this. And I all realised... I'm working for these guys already. I'm like three minutes in and we're planning things. And, and so there was no kind of sort of barrier between myself and the guys in the room. It was, well, yeah, that would be great. We'll try that and we can do this. And, and I honestly left feeling like I was, I was already in the door. Um, and it was just that, you know, that encouragement of, to be entrepreneurial. They don't, you know, Folsom don't stifle people who are energetic, who want to do things. And, and, and Jeff made it very clear from day one, you know, be your own CEO. You know, do your own things. Just, just, just make us better. Make us bigger. Um, and he, get, you know, that's a really loose brief, but he does sort of let you get on with that. And that's, you know, for me and for guys who, who I work with, 
that's great for us. You know, that's you know, that's that you really can't can't have a better scenario than that. And and it, you know, I, re I realised that very early on that. I'm not. I'm going to be given freedom here to to run things how we want to run it and make improvements without too much politics or red tape. And I think that's one of the major um, pluses of working here. I love that. And I'll tell you, this is a busy and collaborative place, and there are spaces for folks to come and really be able to sit down and have these face to faces and really what I would say in maybe musical terms, riff. And in riffing, I you know have to say this. WV1 experience here at being at the home of wolves for me personally. I guess the origin story is learning long ago that wolves was Robert Plant's club. And I was like, well, you know, that sounds like the awesome one to follow. And that is a young guy. He's just kind of like follow it throughout the years. And now I get to see more and more as uh, TV of it has become more available in the U.S. It's been amazing to think of just that riffing aspect and with Wolves records and all of the ways that music kind of is becoming at the epicenter of all this. You meet people here with a common passion for that ability. Like you said, you, you already knew you were working, you were riffing with the guys at that point saying, okay, this is what's going to happen. I'm finding this musical theme really runs through a lot of this and great energy comes with this as well, such as that which we heard from earlier when we spoke with Dave Thompson, head of partnerships. When you look at how you, the club wants to project itself into the future with new opportunities and doing cool things with content and other ways that are, in industry terms, activations, what are some of these things and how can this grow? So it's a really interesting one for me from a commercial perspective. And ultimately, my role within the club is very much to, to grow the partnerships department. So I joined the club back in September 21. So I've been here around six months now. Um, and for me, the reason to join the club was the, the amazing opportunity for commercial growth, um, more so than any other club within the Premier League. And that's why I'm here. Uh, and my job is very much focused around you know, growing the commercial revenues of the club. How do we drive new partnerships incremental revenues in partnership areas whereby we haven't had partners in that space before? Do we tap into you know, new interesting markets, whether that be having a, a, uh, an official mental health partner, an official plant-based nutrition partner, these sort of these zeitgeisty type themes um, that we can tap into to, to grow incremental growth? And I think what's really interesting around this is then how we go around activating them. And that's in line with, you know, we work very closely with our media team, with our marketing team, how we bring these partnerships to life. Every club can offer you some shirt branding, some LED, some digital and social, some access to players. What's the new engaging content that we can, you know, selfishly from my perspective, monetize, um, but also then grow the audience, right? Because ultimately I know that if we have a larger audience and a more engaged audience, we can drive bigger revenues commercially. So, so, so it's an interesting one for me to, to explore this idea of you know, content growth from an activation perspective, because I think that, that there's a number of real benefits to our department specifically for in, in doing that. I keep using the word soccer, and if anybody's been listening to this, I'm sorry. It's just so ingrained in me from being from the U.S. I know it's football, but in football terms, you were just talking about the roles of the media team, the marketing team, and the partnerships team working together, but truly in football terms, 
kind of help us understand what the process is based on positions on the field, perhaps, or pitch? I keep doing this. Yeah, I'm going to get myself in trouble now because I say it in every single meeting I have with external uh, organizations or departments, and I believe truly that the partnerships department is the most important department in the club. <laughs> so I would have to say that it's the it's the... Is it the striker? Yeah, potentially. We're the ones that are tasked with, we are solely a money-making function for the club. In, in, as with any advertising or sponsorship sales, we don't create anything of material value. It's all tangible value. So it's wh where is the value that we can create uh, without actually really making anything specifically? Um, so therefore, maybe I'd argue that we're the, the center forward, right? But I think in reality, uh, and, I, and I had uh, a group of new starters that I was presenting to yesterday as part of their HR induction, and there's a great uh, slide that I'd uh, pulled together, which had partnerships sat right at the middle. So maybe we look at sort of the, the central midfield ideal, right? Because we rely on so many different departments. You know, we are literally speaking from everyone from stadium operations, you know, to making sure that camera angles are correct for our LED pickup and making sure that all signage and stuff like that is, is visible, you know, through to media and marketing are the obvious ones in as much as helping us tell the stories of our partners. Uh, but then through to football operations and football administration, player care, because we need our players to know their commercial responsibilities and, and do what they need to do from us from a commercial perspective and um, making sure that they're bought into our commercial partners and then across to retail operations you know what does next year's kit look like making sure that brands look right on the kit they fit in with the kit but also stand out as well so so I would sort of place us that sort of central midfielder role whereby we have so many different touch points you know people pass the ball into us but then we pass the ball out as well so yeah, I think I think yeah, central midfield is probably the less the less selfish answer to the question, rather than centre forward. Yeah. I knew I was putting you on the spot just a bit, but uh, we we appreciate the explanation as it relates to the workflow, and I also think of just the energy that's around here and that is being built, and that's very impressive to come see it in person, and you see it at all levels of the organization, but. It's all about storytelling. It's all about sharing a message and sharing a vibe. This is what I love also about all of these new opportunities in esports or Wolves Records or all of these other ways that Russell explains as being a challenger club and wanting to be bold and innovative and do something special. How do you help pull that together? Yeah, and, and it's a really interesting one, right? Because I know I talked about incremental revenues before and, and those new verticals, whether it be esports, music, fashion, you know, they're really important to us because they are genuine areas of growth for the club that, again, we can look to drive those incremental revenues within. I think there are, and it's not a criticism of other clubs, but I think there are a lot of clubs that say they do things differently, um, but it's really easy to say it. We do it, you know, and, that, and that's one thing that I've noticed in my time here is that, you know, in six months I've been here, we've launched a record label. You know, it's uh, no, no other Premier League club has ever done that before. You know, what does that look like right now? Okay, well, it's probably defined as one thing. You know, what can it be in the future? It, the, the potential is pretty endless. And what we can do from a commercial perspective surrounding that is pretty endless. You know, the esports side of it is a great example. You know, we haven't just got a FIFA team. You know, that's the obvious thing to do as a Premier League club. We have, we have teams both in China and in the UK who are playing across major esports titles. You know, titles that are regarded as, you know, the, the key esports, real, real esports, not just playing FIFA or Call of Duty in a, in a competitive sense. So, so I think those new verticals, you know, the, it's, it's a real true example of the way in which the club, you know, we use the phrase in partnerships all the time, dare to be different. 
and that's a key theme within our sort of partnership sales approach. Um, it's not just saying that we're going to do it, but we're actually going to dare to do it. And sometimes we won't get it right. You know, sometimes it will fail. Um, but, but ultimately, we can be true to the narrative that we're putting out there, which is we do things differently. And it's not just saying it, but it's actually doing it and making things happen. And, and like I say, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes along the way. Some things will work really well, some things won't, but that's how we evolve and that's how we change, right? So this is actually kind of freaking me out. We're talking about Wolves Records to think of the Louder Showcase, which took place right here in the North Bank Bar. It's the hub here of activity for uh, business operations when it's not an event night. And we're in the same place where the showcase took place. And it was back in the Wolves Radio North American Studios where I'm sitting there actually taking the feed from the board here and having the thing pumped back out through to the global broadcast via Wolves Radio of this event. And it's truly global, the internet sending these signals all around the world. But if folks had tuned in on that night, they would have heard something like, this is the Louder Showcase brought to you by DIS Graphics or something like I was saying, like, you know, in this, you know, here we're being over the top. Let's get this event going here. This sort of thing is little interstitials. But these are the opportunities that are fun because it takes a great sponsor like DIS Graphics to bring an event like this to life. And then this event is happening and then it's truly going around the world and then shared and archived. And these are the ways that these partnerships and these relationships can grow with stuff that's meaningful to fans. And I, I say this and keep talking about music in the sense that I asked you before we started, okay, top three from the past in music, top three now, because this is a lot of the talk here on, on this journey. Uh, you said Dire Straits, Fleetwood Mac, and the Eagles is from the past, and you said The Darkness, and uh, a couple of others that you're on to currently right now. Uh, so Biffy Clyro, uh, probably the best rock export from the UK, I would argue, of the past uh, 10 to 20 years. The guys have been around for a long, long time. Um, so that's what I'm listening to a lot of at the moment. Um, and then from across the pond, Queens of the Stone Age is just the coolest band of all time, in my opinion. Seeing them end amount of times and uh, I will travel anywhere across the UK to see them when they're over here so um, yeah it's very much you can see the themes from the bands that I like it's very much guitar based music great vocals um, but yeah and, that, and that's why it's interesting for me you know Wolves Records is something you know I, I genuinely have a passion outside of you know my work and outside of football for, for music and to be involved with you know Warner Music one of the biggest players in the industry right it's a great great opportunity a, a label that Biffy are obviously signed to as well so um, yeah it, it's, it's great to have that sort of additional string to your bow and also for me to grow and develop in my career as well you know I've worked at various you know, football clubs and, and sports agencies in the past um, and I never really thought I'd have an opportunity to you know work within that music sphere as well and who'd have thought working for a Premier League club like Wolves has given me that opportunity as well so no, it's great it, it truly is I actually to tie this all together the Wolverhampton to Seattle theme I saw the front man for Biffy on a documentary about Nirvana the other night I was just watching uh, on, on television trying to fall asleep and you know kind of you know, get into a Zen state before, you know, knocking out that jet lag. And it was pretty energizing to see something I'd never seen is the Top of the Pops performance that Nirvana did and how just uh, absolutely transgressive it was and how interesting it was to see Kurt in that context and then see this other tie with this band that you're talking about it was really cool. And I can't leave you without asking the following. 
when we're talking about bands, you said you've played some music too. What, what, what do you play? What's your style? What uh, is your instrument? Are, are you the front man? Are you a guitarist? What, what's the story? So put it this way. I'm never allowed a microphone in front of me when I'm on stage. Yeah, def- <laughs> definitely not. Um, I have all the enthusiasm, but none of the talent when it comes to singing. So uh, I will happily sing, but no one else wants me to. Um, no, I played guitar since I was a kid. Um, I don't know if a lot of people at the club know this about me. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's a nice confession now. But yeah, so until probably two years ago, I was playing a fairly heavy metal band. Um, it was very much your, your classic, your, your Maiden, your Metallica, that sort of style, but all original material. And I've played in a few covers bands in my time as well. Um, and, and to be honest, yeah, what I enjoy to play literally just changes from week to week as well. Um, it's whatever catches me at the moment, whatever catches me in the mood. Um, but yeah, I'm a bit of a, uh, a guitar obsessive. I spend far too much money clearly on guitars as my partner will testify to. Um, but fortunately she likes them and they're nice ornaments if nothing else for the house. So uh, yeah, I do get her backing on occasion. So. Awesome stuff. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time, talking with us, bringing us these stories and making this so welcoming. It's just awesome to be here and feel the energy. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Really enjoyable. So, of course, for me, Wolves, digital media, music, football talk, just all part of this mix of a true passion for myself. And I love hearing how music means so much to some of the folks here. I just really identify with that. And we all have our passions. I, I do know now as a guy coming from the United States over to visit, you've been to the U.S. in Florida, some flight training, a, a pilot, as I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 2008 went over there um, with, with my now wife and um, we had a great time. Um, I love the States. Learned to fly in Florida. My F1 work took me to Austin, Texas. Um, I've spent time in New York, in Jacksonville with Fanatics. Um, It's an amazing place. Um, And, you know, one that we have a focus on improving in. So I think, you know, our our US business is growing. Obviously, the stuff that that Russell and Dave's team are are doing sort of globally, really, as well as obviously the the squad that we've got with Raul Jimenez being, being hugely popular over there. It's just, it's such a, a huge but important market for us. Um, and, you know, something that we, we're really keen to improve on our operation in the US, um, but also a country that's just great fun to operate in and be in. What is the pilot's mindset? Like, and, and do you, I mean, not to be like using a silly pun, but it, is, it seems to me to be the person who wants to captain the ship and steer things. But, but what is the mindset and how has that kind of been a through line in your life and work? So I, I changed a lot as a person when I was when I was learning to fly. I was I was I was very sort of off the cuff. I, I didn't have much structure in in my sort of daily work and sort of rolled from day one day to the next professionally as well as personally. Learning to fly really sort of gave me uh, a great grasp of numbers, a great discipline in in that you know don't cut corners if if something looks to be nearly right. The odds are it's not right make sure it's right and, and you don't really get when you're flying planes you don't really get much margin for error so it sort of teaches you to be really thorough um, and, and I think since coming back from the US that's something that's been really important to me almost to a point of having OCD that do things time and time again so you know that they're right or the numbers add up for definite you know there's no shortcuts that you've taken um, so I think that's probably something that stuck with me from those days that I didn't have before I headed out there. You guys are true pros, girded by passion, out to do bold things. 
keeping things very smart and progressive and forward moving and really something for supporters and people who may be listening now, just like uh, anywhere in the world and in the United States who want to come visit. I, I really say that this entire crew here that's making this club this special on the ground level really is led by guys like Vinny who really want to make sure that this stuff is done first class and on point. And I got to say, I appreciate it and really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me here. Thank you. Thanks for coming over. 